I want a better life for my family. Everyone around me seems to have more. More security. More luxury. More of a future. A future that sees their kids through college. A future that allows for a comfortable retirement. A future that leaves more for the next generation than we were left with. I want that. All of it. But getting there seems like it's growing increasingly impossible the older I get. If working hard is the answer, I don't know how I can work harder than I am right now. If being frugal is the answer, I don't know how I can live on less than I am right now. I was taught how to work hard, but no one taught me how to get ahead. All right, good evening. Great time of worship tonight. Thank you for being a part of our church family and coming together for worship. It's a great day to worship the Lord. Every day is a great day to worship the Lord. Well, tonight we're wrapping up our Bold Men series. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Um, I feel like God's really used this series to change lives and change families, and it's going to impact our church, and it's going to impact future generations for a long time to come. Every, every now and then you have a series uh, where th- that series kind of defines, and it can be like a monumental moment in, in the year, and I feel like this series has definitely been that for our church. Uh, today I want to talk about the pursuit of success. The pursuit of success. In Genesis 2.28, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and he said, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Okay, so here you, ha- you see that God gives them a commission to build and multiply and overcome and to conquer. And so this natural drive and ambition that a lot of men have to want to achieve and get ahead and build wealth and do something with their life. Um, I think some people feel guilty about that. You know, like, is it, does it make me selfish or prideful or greedy? But in reality, this ambition uh, is part of your God-ordained designed. He intended that you would want to strive and build and achieve. He made you that way. It's part of what God commissioned Adam and Eve to do in the garden before sin even entered the world. I think it's just important that you understand that that drive comes from God, and then we've got to focus that drive and use it for the glory of God. So that's the real issue. I want you to understand this, that God designed you to work, to build, multiply, and conquer Not just sit around watching Netflix, uh, not just earning a paycheck, not fulfilling different types of hobbies and whims, but to actually do something that matters with your life. Uh, And not everybody gets to do that. And a lot of people, they're trapped in a a situation where they feel responsible to provide for their family and they go to work and they don't really love what they do, but they want to put food on the table and they don't really feel like they're getting ahead at all in life. And they're wondering, you know, is this all that God has for me? I want to help you with that tonight. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of young guys are so into video games a lot of times. Like, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with video games, but I think some men uh, will engage in that because it gives them a sense of satisfaction, uh, an achievement, and maybe even escape from some of the problems that they're dealing with. But there's something better for you than just virtual success in leveling up online uh, against a 12-year-old from Tokyo. Like, God actually wants you to do something that makes a difference with your life. The question is, are you going to use that ambitious drive that God gave you for his glory or for yours? To serve yourself or to serve him? I think that the Lord, he genuinely desires for his people to work, to build, and to increase. That we would become uh, more influential in business and politics and entertainment. And we should strive for success, not to bring glory to ourselves, but to make a bigger impact in the kingdom of God and glorify the name of Jesus And if you'll live as a good steward and manage what the Lord has given you, your talents and your resources and your time, if you'll use those things and leverage them to advance the kingdom of God, um, I think that you will be able to do some incredible things with your life. Not just have fun and have nice things uh, and have more influence, but you'll be able to impact your family and your church and your community and leave a legacy that really makes a difference. In Deuteronomy 8, it says, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. 
in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. So God is the one who gives you the power to be successful. I think this is interesting. You know, God said to Abraham, your descendants will fill the earth. And so I think what he's saying here is, you know, the Lord is going to help you to be successful. And it's not even necessarily because you deserve it, but because he's a promise keeper. He's going to help you to multiply, and if you'll follow his ways, it will go well with you in the land. You just got to get a biblical view and understanding of success and, and what it looks like with wealth and material things. You got to have a healthy perspective on those things so you can manage them uh, from a healthy place. Let me talk about some of the unhealthy thinking that's out there. Um, some teaching you'll hear is promoting a prosperity gospel. A prosperity gospel, eh, thumbs down, is the idea that wealth is promised to God's people and that physical possessions and having nice things and success are expected results of God's favor. Uh, and they have this idea, like, if you're not rich and healthy all the time, it's because you don't have enough faith and you probably are doing something wrong in secret and you need to make that right. And the problem is this is completely unbiblical. There are m many, many examples throughout uh, all of scripture, where you have righteous people who suffer even for doing the right thing. Uh, starting with Jesus, didn't have a high net worth, had to rely on donations to carry out his ministry, and along the way, he experienced a lot of suffering. Think about the apostle Paul and Peter and most of the disciples. They, they were tortured, imprisoned, beat, didn't have earthly riches. And so um, it, it's not true that a Christian is guaranteed uh, to only experience health, wealth, and prosperity. Uh, then there's a kind of the flip side of the coin, this, this idea of like a poverty gospel. Um, this is the idea that like money is evil and if you have nice things that makes you materialistic and I, guilty of idolatry. Uh, they actually kind of believe that God wants people to be poor. And so if you're poor, that'll help you take your eyes off of earthly things and focus on things above. But earthly things matter too, right? Um, these people will often romanticize being persecuted and suffering for Jesus. The only people who romanticize persecution are people who've never been persecuted. Just a little <laughs> tidbit there. The problem is this is also unbiblical. The Bible does not say that the money, that money is the root of all evil, but the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. So you can have money, and that's not wrong. You can even like having money, and that's not wrong. Generally speaking, I like having money more than not having money. Uh, it's just that we, we don't want to love money, and we can't serve uh, two masters. You can't serve both God and money. So you've got to understand, where does the Lord rank in your spiritual life? But generally, the, God doesn't want us to be poor or avoid uh, having good things uh, necessarily. In Ecclesiastes 9, it says, go ahead, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart. God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. This is, uh, I think, every wife's life verse when she goes shopping. She's going right to Gucci to live for God. I'm going to wear fine clothes. And... But really what, what this is telling us is, you know, life is short. And if you uh, have the opportunity to enjoy nice things, uh, as long as you don't idolize those things or love those things more than the Lord, you can enjoy those things guilt-free. In fact, Jesus had many wealthy followers, and they used their wealth to advance the kingdom of God. They also enjoyed some of it along the way, I'm sure. And so the actual gospel, we've talked about this in recent months, but the actual gospel is that we're forgiven we are saved, we receive eternal life, we're adopted into God's family all through faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside of us and empower us for ministry so we don't have to live alone. But then there is a, a material side of this that as a good father, God does give us good gifts, but primarily he's focused on another type of gift that he gives us. In Ephesians 1, it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. God's blessing and favor is on your life. And I've actually had people say to me, you know, I just don't understand why God isn't blessing me more. 
And I want you to understand, God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. The problem is we just don't tend to value those spiritual blessings as much as we do sometimes the, the earthly blessings. And you need to realize that uh, every single Christian, uh, God has poured out incredible blessing on you, but it's, it's much more tied to your heavenly spiritual balance sheet than your earthly balance sheet. You could be a follower of Jesus and be poor in dollars, but rich in the, in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you, and we know that whether we have much or little, um, it all belongs to God, either way. And we should hope for good times, and we should expect also to go through hard times. And in either situation, we can have joy. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So, one thing that prosperity preachers and, and poverty uh, proponents will also uh, both get wrong is that God does actually promise you health, wealth, and prosperity. It's just that he doesn't guarantee those things to you until you get to heaven. <laughs> you will get all those things in heaven. You'll never be sick. There'll be no more crying, no more death. The streets will be lined with gold. Jesus is building you a mansion in the sky, so they say. and It'll be debt-free. It's going to be awesome along the way. You might have much, you might have little. Either way, you can have joy and satisfaction. Um, at the same time, God has established principles of heaven that when you apply on earth, tend to bring the blessings of heaven to earth. And so let me talk about some of those principles today. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly. We read this passage more in depth last week, but uh, there's this idea, if you obey God's commands and you follow in his ways and you trust his word, it will generally go well with you in the land or in your life. Uh, if you disobey God's commands and you don't follow his ways and you instead trust yourself, it's going to be rough. And I watched this play out. Uh, in all different ways, year after year, again and again, some people are just determined to learn the hard way. And I'm not judging you. I, I was one of those people. I've done it the hard way. It's pretty much like a major bummer. I, I almost said something else. Uh, Got to keep it PG here. But honestly, if you have sense and you love the Lord even just a little bit, then the question you want to ask is, what does God want from me? What does he want me to do? And then do that. In fact, uh, the majority of my sermons kind of boil down to listen to God and do what he says. Just listen to God and do what he says. I'm trying to convince people of that constantly. You know, I see it play out in all different types of ways. And, and you know, in serving, uh, people are just like, oh, it's not really a good time for me to serve. I got a lot going on in my life. Maybe when things kind of, you know, clear up in my life and I have more free time, then I can serve. Or, or in worship, you know, I don't really feel like worshiping. I just don't really feel like it. Maybe, maybe when God moves me and I just feel like moved, then I'll, I'll enter in and I'll do all the singing and clapping and like stick my hand in the air. I don't know. Like, uh, or I don't really feel like giving. Ooh, no, no thank you. Uh, that offering, giving thing at the end, I'm always out of here. Um, it's not a good time for me. But, but when God blesses me someday and I get that next raise and I get ahead financially, then I'll start tithing. You know? Oh, that sermon on how to be a good husband? Yeah, uh, problem is my wife's not a good wife. So when she gets her act together, then I'll be a good Good husband. I just want you to realize if that's your attitude, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. This is an important principle you have to understand. Blessing follows obedience. This is a principle of the kingdom of heaven. God's blessings follow obedience. Whatever I have, however I feel, I'm going to do the right thing. This is the attitude of a Christian. Not because of what's in it for me, but because of who Jesus is to me. Yes. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. It's not my will, but his will be done. I'm his subject. He's my master. And so I want to follow in his ways. 
So a biblical perspective when it comes to wealth and success, right? We should hope for more. We should believe for the best. We should uh, strive and contend. But we should also be joy, joyful and satisfied whether we have much or little in, in good times or in bad times. We can have satisfaction because we have Jesus. And so I, I believe this is true. If you do work hard and you work with integrity, like you're, you're serving the Lord, and I'll talk about that more in a second, um, I don't think you're going to be able to help but get promoted and advance and prosper and succeed. And if you're, especially if you're a young guy and you're thinking, Man, I want to do something with my life, there's nothing wrong with that, wanting to prosper and succeed and achieve and prove yourself and make something of your life. Uh, it allows you to make a bigger impact in this world for Jesus. And so a couple of weeks ago, I think I remember when I was praying a prayer of just blessing over our church, I was praying for God to bless you and give you favor. There is a certain degree of God's blessing that you just automatically experience uh, from being his child, from being a part of his family. But there's another level of blessing that you don't get access to until you actually obey the Lord and follow in his ways. Because God can't bless disobedience. He can't bless rebellion or hard-heartedness or selfishness or pride. So you have to actually like do it his way if you want to experience his benefits. And when you follow his ways, you find his benefits. So that sounds good, right? I want, I want all the benefits. I want all the bennies that God has to offer. Here's how to succeed. Here's how to stand out. A bold man of God or a righteous woman of God, how can you stand out among your peers and rise up? First, act like you're working for Jesus. Act like Jesus is the one whom you labor for. Uh, it doesn't really matter whose name is on the paycheck, whether it's State Farm or Bank of America, whoever your boss is signing your paycheck, you need to realize that when you clock in, you're actually serving the Lord. And so, first and foremost, have you asked God for career advice? Like, where does God want me to work? What business does the Lord want me to start? What career does he want me to pursue? Uh, because the world will tell you to follow your heart. The problem is the heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah 17 says, so who can understand it? You don't, you don't really know what you're supposed to do just based on your heart. Your heart can lead you right out of God's will. Right, right into destruction. A lot of people have followed their heart right into hell. So you need to listen to the Lord and what he's leading you to do. And I know a lot of people are like, well, how do I do that? How do I know? I've been praying. I don't really know. Well, here's a little practical guidance. Look for the intersection of your talents, your passions, and your opportunities. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? Like, what do you care about? And what doors are open to you? Where those things intersect, that really could be where God is leading you. Some people, you're like, passionate about music, but you cannot sing. That's probably not God's calling on your life. I'm passionate about football, but the Cardinals are not calling me to come and join the starting lineup because I can't throw well enough, you know? And then there are some things you might be good at it and you might be passionate about it, but maybe the door's just not open to you right now. And it could be because it's not God's time for you. You try to do the right thing at the wrong time and it becomes the wrong thing. So you want to look at that, ask the Lord, and then uh, when you do discover God's calling and you start to follow the doors that he opens and you walk forward, right, whether you're an intern or a student or an employee or a business owner, Proverbs 16 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Honestly, ask yourself this, wherever you work, whether you're a business owner, you're an employee, right, and student, wherever you work, are you doing it for the Lord or for you? Just to pay the bills? Or do you view your work as a way to worship the Lord? It says in Colossians 3, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As though you were working for the Lord and not for men. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. 
Okay, so I love this passage uh, for our subject tonight. Um, slaves, obey your masters. You ever feel like your boss is like a real taskmaster, right? Uh, if this is true for slaves in the ancient world, I think it's also true for us as employees and as citizens that we should generally, as long as um, those in authority over us aren't trying to get us to do something illegal or immoral, we should obey the authority figures in our lives. Like the least popular preaching subject um, in America that I could possibly talk about, obeying authority. Nobody's favorite subject to talk about. But when you live this way, um, honoring authority, actually out of honor for the Lord, God will bless you. God will bless you. And so try to please them, it says. Not just doing the minimum to avoid getting in trouble, but actually saying, I'm going to go the extra mile to, to accomplish and carry out their desires, their wishes for me. And if you, if you actually work this way, like you're serving the Lord, you're going to receive the blessing in favor of the Lord. I believe this, honestly, that Christians should be the best employees in every company. By far, hands down, the best. Just by living out the values and, and the biblical commands of Scripture, you will automatically stand out from all your coworkers and peers and from your competitors, um, and you will be blessed supernaturally by the Lord. Sadly, that's just not always the case. Sometimes people go to work and you know, they'll show up with their Bible, and then they'll act like a total brat. Disrespectful, lazy, and entitled. And that's a terrible way to represent the Lord. It says in verse 25, basically you're going to be paid back for the wrong you do. Like, you're going to get a check, but you're not going to like it. You know, it's going to, it's going to be a reap what you sow kind of thing. And in that moment, you would have nothing uh, to complain about, no one to blame but yourself. Speaking of that, there are certain types of people who never get ahead. And so let me talk about that. Maybe you know some of these people. I know none of you are this way, but you probably know somebody like this. Um, there are blame shifters. You ever meet a blame shifter? They always want to point the finger at others. They never take responsibility. There's a great book called Extreme Ownership written by a Navy SEAL. It just basically says, like, take responsibility, take ownership. But these blame shifters, these are the people that will complain. You're like, I just, I hate my job. My boss is such a jerk. And when you really get down to it, it's just that uh, their employer actually expects them to work and their boss actually holds them to a standard, and they don't like it. You know, they don't like, I don't like that. It's, all, it's always someone else's problem. And then there are also excuse makers. Uh, you know what they say about excuses? Everyone's got one. They're like noses. Everyone's got one. Excuse makers, they always, they always have a reason, playing the victim card, uh, you know, they won't promote me because of my weight or my age or my accent or my skin color, right? Maybe it's just because you're a terrible employee. It's not my fault I couldn't finish the assignment on Tom. You know, it's not, they, they didn't do their thing. You didn't tell me, uh, the dog ate my homework. It's just an excuse, right? Like just, and then there are lazy workers. Lazy people, it's funny, they never admit they're lazy. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I've never met one lazy person who's just like, yeah, I'm just lazy. They're always like, I'm not lazy. It's like, yeah, you, you kind of are by, by normal human standards. Um, and there's, I'm concerned about this. There is a growing trend among Christians where people who are believers in Jesus would rather get a handout than work hard. There's a growing sense of entitlement rather than understanding God calls you to work hard. Uh, in Thess 2 Thessalonians 3, this passage is great. It says, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Notice it says unwilling, not unable. So there's a difference between being disabled and lazy. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, work to earn their own living. I would have bet my life this was written in 2020. I would have thought the Apostle Paul was writing this to the Bernie Sanders voters. 
It's like, stop complaining about rich people and work to earn your own living. Stop waiting for the government to give you a handout and just work to earn your own living. Now listen, if the government sends you a stimulus check, I mean, cash that thing. <laughs> like, you might as well, like, make sure you tithe on it and then go you know, buy yourself another big screen. But it says in Proverbs 13, lazy people want much and get little, but those who work hard will prosper. And then last group of people, there's fantasy chasers. Fantasy chasers. Like, okay, so it's okay to have a dream. There's a difference between a God-given dream and fantasy. Dreams can come to pass. Fantasy is an illusion. And so if you're always chasing a dream and you're never catching, it could be that you're actually just pursuing fantasy, not something that came from God. And I've seen people waste years and hundreds of thousands of dollars chasing fantasy. I remember one guy in the church when I was growing up, my dad was the pastor. There was this guy who, he had this, uh, this fantasy of creating a business and it was just like so weird. I didn't understand it. He was, he was starting a business to help find uh, rare cars for car collectors. I remember thinking, like, isn't that what auto traders for? Like, I don't really, I don't get it, man. But, okay, you know, I don't really know everything. Um, it would have been wise to probably start small, you know, improve the concept. Instead, the guy, he quit his job, took out a loan against his house, bought 10 computers and hired 10 employees, and fell right on his face. It's sad, but it's a fantasy. Uh, it says in Proverbs 12, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. And there are a lot of people who, they let fantasy actually rob them from prosperity. Some people are blessed with success and fame and incredible wealth, um, but most people God calls to work hard and be faithful and love their family and serve their church and build the kingdom and tell people about Jesus. Don't get sidetracked by fantasy. Pursue your dreams, but don't chase fantasy. If you're working for the Lord, if you're working like you're working for Jesus, you're not going to be able to help but rise above your peers and stand out and receive favor. So I want to give you just like some practical um, advice, some proverbial wisdom, uh, and some things I think these principles will help you to get ahead. Uh, some of you had really good dads who taught you a lot of these principles. Uh, maybe you didn't, though. Some of you didn't have that. And so these are some principles I think that can be really helpful to you. These are our Generation Church team values. And this is what we, we teach our church staff and also our, our church's volunteers. There's, like, there's four, five, six hundred volunteers in our church on a regular Sunday. Um, and then over the years, you know, we've grown from having like five people on staff to over 50 people on staff. So I've, I've not just been a pastor these last years. I've also had to kind of be a, an employer and put on like this boss hat. And I've experienced like hiring and firing and correction and promotion and, and all these things. And so over the years, I've learned some things. and We've written these things down. And I think you could take these church team values. And if you'll live these out in your own workplace as a boss or a homemaker um, then you will experience a lot of blessing. These are just biblical principles, mostly. I think they all are. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time to go really into depth on all of them, but let me just kind of give you some of these. And number one is whatever it takes. Having a whatever it takes attitude. Be that person at your workplace that says, you got it, whatever it takes. I'm gonna get the job done. Everybody, you've been around someone where they're just like a naysayer. They're just like negative Nancy, always has a reason why they can't do it, why you, oh, you can't do that. That's not, that's not going to work, right? Uh, and nobody likes that guy. And I'll tell you what, for your employer, uh, if you're the person who's quick to say, well, that can't be done, or that's going to be really hard, like, you're not blessing him or her. If you have the attitude, like, I'm going to get stuff done, whatever it takes, I'm going to get it done. If I have to work harder, stay later, try again, like, I'm going to do it. And, and this is not the person who says, that's not my job. Whatever it takes person says, hey, if there's a need, I'm going to meet the need. I get stuff done. And at church, we believe this, like, our mission, it transcends job description. 
Whatever need there is, it's your job <laughs> to get it done. And then the next one is this, show your passion. Show your passion, right? Like, I, I just think, you know, we have a risen Savior. We should act like it. And I've seen a lot of times where there's Christians, they, they love the Lord in their heart, genuinely. I'm not judging them. They love the Lord. They just never tell their face that they love the Lord. And I think if you go to work um, and you just, like, but if, you, if, you, if you choose to be passionate when you're in the workplace and just put your all into it, uh, that's going to lead to your success. Maybe it's not your dream job, okay? Uh, or maybe you're, doing a, you're in a role you don't really like that much right now, but you can still work with passion because you're working for the Lord. In Romans 12, it says, do not lag in zeal. Be enthusiastic in spirit. Serve the Lord. So listen, it's not your boss's job to pump you up. You should come in fired up because God gave you health and the opportunity to work and to provide for your family. So, so act like it. And if, man, if you don't have a job that you like, you're like, I hate my job. I can't stand it. Maybe it is time to look for something else. But a little pastoral wisdom, please get your next job before you quit the job you have. I know some people just did not learn that growing up. It's... But if you show up to work just passionate and fired up, you're going to rise above. Your coworkers will think you're weird, but your boss will promote you. Here's a third one. We bleed GC. Okay, so we love our church, and we're not embarrassed about loving our church where we get to serve and, and, and work for the Lord. And I think it's weird when people work at a church and they act like they don't even like the church. It just drives me insane. Like they act like it's just a job. It's not just a job. And honestly, a lot of people show up to work with this attitude. They just kind of like apathetic and indifferent, and it's just a job to them. And that's not the way to get ahead. If you want to be promoted and succeed in what you do, you got to go in there like you're going to eat it, breathe it, sleep it, and bleed it. Just really like show, show loyalty to your employer. Talk the language. Uh, don't show up to Nike wearing Adidas, right? Like, if you work at Pepsi, you're not posting pictures of yourself drinking Coke on social media, even though it is better. You're just going to do it in private because you're loyal. I think about Joseph in the Old Testament. Everywhere he went, he succeeded because he was all in. He was wronged by his family, sold into slavery, and then he was a slave in Potiphar's household, but he was so faithful and he was so diligent that he was promoted to be uh, the manager of all of Potiphar's household. Then he was wrongly accused and imprisoned, and he was such a good prisoner that he got promoted in prison over the other prisoners. Then he got a job from Pharaoh, and he was so faithful there that he was promoted to be second in command of all of Egypt. All he did was win, 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 no matter what. Because he was all in, no matter what. Bleed. I love it. And then fourth, never stop growing. Never stop growing personally, professionally, and spiritually. Living things grow. Growing things change. So I would be concerned if you feel like, man, I'm just kind of stagnant and stuck and I'm not learning anything new. I saw a Pew Research statistic that said one-fourth of adults in the U.S. haven't read a single book in the last year. Okay, so I think that's a concern. I would challenge you to keep reading, listening to podcasts, and learning so that you can keep growing personally, professionally, and spiritually. If you want to succeed in life, and get ahead, you've got to constantly keep learning, whether you're young or old. Keep challenging yourself. Step out of your comfort zone. Uh, try new things. Gain knowledge. And it's easier today than ever with all the resources that are out there. I mean, you can download a podcast, and it's like you're being mentored by some of the wisest, most successful people in the world long distance. In Proverbs 1, it says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. Uh, people who get ahead, they'll oftentimes, they'll go to mentor or pe mentor figures, people they can learn from, uh, with a humble heart. And they'll say, please teach me, help me. And, and a lot of wise, accomplished people are willing to share their wisdom with younger people. The problem is a lot of younger people are too dumb to ask for help. Or, or prideful, I don't know. But wisdom is seeking wisdom, gaining knowledge. 
And so always keep growing. Otherwise, you're going to turn around one day and some 22-year-old kid is going to be your boss. Fifth, honor up, down, and all around. There's so much just disrespect in our culture, especially towards authority figures, um, that if you show honor, you'll automatically set yourself apart. Starts with your leader. Uh, most people have some kind of boss or board that they're accountable to. In Colossians 3, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, right? Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Reverence, it's this idea of honor, of respect. And so let me just help you with really practical with this. Um, at your workplace, I would encourage you to do this. Just go in, wh- whether you've been working there for a long time or you're brand new, right? Just start speaking to your employer with a ton of respect. Like, instead of being like everyone else who's all, yo, bro, like, hey, hey, man, like, what's up? Like, hey, Joe, be the guy who says, yes, sir, no, ma'am, right away, sir. They're going to look at you and be like, what's up with that guy? But it's a, way, a simple way to communicate honor. And, and honestly, if the guy's like, yo, you know, call me Steve, then, then do it. But just be honoring. Don't talk bad about him behind his back. Do what he would want you to do or what she would want you to do, whether they're watching or not. Not just the minimum to stay out of trouble, but go the extra mile. Have their back. Be loyal. And then honor people around you, your coworkers, uh, the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis, and, and your customers, your clients, whoever it is, right? Show them honor. Don't cut corners. Don't try to take advantage of them. It might feel like you get ahead a little bit in the short run doing that, but you'll always lose in the long run. Don't blame other people and throw other people under the bus. Uh, take, take opportunity to give people credit when they've worked hard and take responsibility when you've done something that's wrong. But if you honor honor people this way, man, you're going to stand out. In, in Philippians 2, it says in verse 15, um, that you should live in a way that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Most people in this world, they're, they're just in it for themselves. They're trying to take advantage of other people and cheat other people and and just squeeze as much profit as they can out of other people. And a Christian who seeks to honor others by doing what's right and fair and just will be blessed by God in a supernatural way in addition to the tangible benefits that come from having a reputation for being a person of integrity. In Proverbs 16, it says, better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Amen. There have been many times um, in our church or in, uh, with volunteers where I've wanted to promote someone based on their talent, but I couldn't due to their lack of understanding honor. And, and truthfully, this holds so many people back. They don't understand honor, so they're not ready for more authority or opportunity. When you understand honor, that's really a result of having good character. Then God can increase your influence and your, your authority. So and then this is the sixth thing. These next couple I'm going to go through quick. Six, we believe this. Church should be fun. This is a principle that we live out. Uh, I just think, like, Jesus is fun. When you read the Gospels, actually read them and think about it from, like, a real human perspective, uh, you start to see Jesus was hilarious. He was funny. And then, did you ever notice this? Like, kids wanted to be with Jesus. You remember he said, let the children come to me. Okay, anybody here uh, raise young kids? You know, kids don't want to play with weird adults. (laughs) Kids don't like mean adults. Jesus was obviously a good time. And so I think as Christians, we don't have to be clowns. We don't have to always be in party mode, but we should generally be pleasant to be around. And if you're like, I don't really know if I'm fun, ask your kids. <laughs> and then all you got to do, just like start smiling more. Honestly, like just write, like write a note on your hand with a Sharpie, like smile. <laughs> Some people, they just, they're like Christians, they're saved, they're going to heaven, but they walk around looking constipated all the time. <laughs> it's like, Why? 
What's wrong? Seven, make it attractive. Uh, make it attractive. Like, this is something we apply to, like, aesthetics and experiences. Uh, we just think that people were drawn to Jesus. He was attractive. And so the way we represent him should also be attractive. Uh, and so just frankly stated, don't be weird. <laughs> Have you been around weird Christians? Maybe you are one. I don't know. I, you're like, no, I don't know any weird Christians. You're the weird Christian, probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Like, we, we just, you know, don't be that weird Christian at work. Like, I know sometimes following the Lord, you know, it seems weird to people, but I think it's, it's good to, to, prep, to represent him in a, a way that draws people to Jesus. And then this is a really important one. A is reject good for great. God deserves our best effort. And sometimes we still make mistakes and we, we can fail, uh, but we should do our best. We should never fail because we fail to prepare. Um, even if it takes more time, requires more energy, don't settle for good enough. If you'll take on this mindset in your workplace, you will excel. Uh, don't settle for good enough. Like, oh, that'll work. No, go for excellence. Strive for excellence. Uh, like in Daniel 6, it says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Do you want God to promote you? Right? Live with an excellent spirit. You might be doing a good job, but what if you rejected good for great? And then a couple more, lead from the front. Lead by example. When the boss asks for volunteers, uh, be the person who says, I'll do it, right? I'll do the job that no one else wants to do. Most people are standing around selfishly like, not it. <laughs> and if you're that person that says, like, man, I don't care. If I have to grab a broom or clean the toilet or stay late, like, I'm going to do it. Because you know what? Those little moments like that, they pay off in the long run. Lead from the front. Like, our church staff, unless they have to, they'll sit in the front of the room. Because they lead by example. Not the kid who sits in the back of the classroom shooting spit wads at other people. <laughs> lead from the front. And then lastly is we get to give. We get to give. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. We don't have to give. We're saved by grace. We get to give so that we get to be more like Jesus. And it's possible to be generous even in the workplace, in the marketplace. You can be generous with your time, with your effort, uh, with your words. You can help other people in ways you didn't have to. You can go the extra mile to do a good job for people. And those things will pay off in the long run. And in and, and a lot of ways, you know, a lot of what we're talking about tonight, if you'll apply these principles to your life, it will lead to you being promoted. Just practically speaking, uh, you'll get raises. You'll have more opportunity. And then you'll honestly end up with more. You just have to understand with what, what these pr truths lead us to is you've got to understand what more is for. It's not just for me, uh, it's for God, it's for the kingdom, it's for others, right? God doesn't just want to bless us so we can have more stuff. Because there's nothing wrong with having more stuff, that's, that's okay, it's good. Uh, but you got to understand, whose is it? All, all, your, all your stuff, all your money, the, the dollars in your bank account, however much there are, uh, who, whose is it? Your name, might not, your name might be on the account. But everything you have ultimately belongs to God. And if you don't understand that, you've already mismanaged it. Once you understand that everything you have belongs to God, then you can be a good steward. And the way that you honor the Lord with your wealth is you put him first in your finances. So the first thing you do when you get a paycheck or a bonus or you make a profit on a deal, the first 10% you return to God. Remember, he gave it to you. So you're not paying tithes, you're not giving tithes, you're bringing them back to the person who gave it to you, right? Because it belongs to God. And when you bring it to him, you honor him with your wealth, like Proverbs 3 says, and then what God does is he supernaturally blesses you, and the other 90% goes way further blessed. It's much better to have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. I've, I continuously try to teach people that. Again, some people have to learn the hard way. Um, but when you surrender your finances to God, then God can trust you with more. It says in Luke 16, Jesus says, If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in larger ones. 
But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So Christians, if you get paid and you don't give to the kingdom of God to advance his mission, you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth. So don't sit around and complain that you don't have more because you already showed God he can't trust you with more. When you put him first and you say, Jesus, you're the Lord over all my life, not just my Sunday, but also my finances, which is really where the rubber meets the road, then God can bless your finances. And I've seen this happen for many, many hundreds and thousands of people where they go, okay, fine. Pastor Ryan, get off my case. Fine. I'll start tithing. And then they're like, it's crazy. Like, I just started getting, like, blessed and promoted, and all these things started happening. And I'm like, I know, it's crazy. When God said, test me, he actually meant it. What do you know? God actually does what he says he's going to do. There's people, though, they can't figure out why they never get ahead, why they're always stressed out about money. And, like, it's because they're not living God's way. So they can't experience his benefits. And then there's another category of person. There are some people I meet who they kind of do get ahead because they've got just incredible skill and talent and opportunity. And their gifting uh, will get them to a certain point, but they still they don't honor God with their, their influence and their finances and their power. They don't honor God with those things. And so what happens is even though they have a degree of wealth, they end up increasingly unsatisfied. Some of the most miserable people you'll meet are wealthy people who don't have a relationship with Jesus because they get more and more earthly possessions, but they end up just hollower and hollower on the inside. And so you got to understand, if you're, if you're somewhat successful without God, how much more could you do with God's favor on your life? And then in addition, you'd have abundant life and satisfaction that you can't get through material things. So, man, I want you to get a hold of this uh, in this message that, man, God wants you to, to work hard and to, to strive, to build, and to multiply and achieve. And you can have contentment and joy whether you, you get a lot or a little because you have Jesus. And then when you do experience success, leverage your success for the kingdom. Whether you have 100 followers or 100,000, $100 or 100 million, Leverage it for Jesus. If you're the chief executive officer or the chief janitorial officer, leverage it for Jesus. And that's not a goal for someday. That's your, your calling today. If, you're, if you have that mindset, you'll find purpose for your life. And this is so important. Whether you're sweeping floors or you're living out your dream job, if you're living and working for the Lord, you'll find purpose uh, when you behave this way and you honor God with what you achieve, it shows the Lord that he can trust you with more. In Luke 12, Jesus said, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. And so some of you, you do have a lot of influence. You have a lot of power. Maybe you do have a lot of wealth. God expects you to use it for his glory. It's like Uncle Ben said in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. He got that from Jesus. Like all good ideas, they originated with Jesus. It starts with being faithful with what you have now. And then as you experience more blessing, that's more opportunity to be a blessing, which allows you to reach more people and change more lives and leave a legacy for your children. You can impact your church and your community. That's why it's good to want to be successful. Because through your success, you can be a blessing to others. If you're working this plan already and you're like, man, I'm already trying hard and I'm trying to do the right thing. And it doesn't feel like I'm getting ahead. I've been tithing. I've been giving to God. And I still feel like I'm struggling. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with God? Why isn't it working? Um, there are some people you kind of feel like you're in that season in between obedience and blessing. And I would say to you, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So in this series, we've talked about how to live out 
the Lord's ways and avoid the lies and pitfalls of the world, have a good marriage and raise good kids and have a relationship with them uh, that you're proud of and how to get ahead and how to find success. And I, I want all of that for you, but I'll just close with this. In Mark 8, Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You know, to be the saddest thing in the world to have earthly success and lose your soul. And there are people that they have incredible wealth and influence and power in this life. And when they stand before God someday and have to answer for their lives, it's going to be a sad, sad day. And we know that the wages of sin is death. And anyone who dies in a state of separation from God, guilty of sin, will spend eternity separated from God in hell, which is a real place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and the flame of their torment never ceases. But then on the other hand, there are people who, man, whether they had much or little, they knew Jesus, their sins were forgiven, their name was written in the book of life, and when they stand before God, they're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy, and it's going to be a great day. So you need to make sure that no matter how successful you are in this life, you take care of your soul. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? All the practical tips and wisdom in these sermons doesn't matter until you submit your life to Jesus. It doesn't mean anything unless Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And I want to just close by doing this. If you haven't received him, then maybe this is your time. This could be your moment to do that. Right now, when we bow our heads together, can we just close our eyes and take a moment? If you want to receive Jesus right now, would you pray this with me and just say, God, I ask you to save me. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I confess my sin to you. I believe Jesus died for my sins on the cross, uh, and I receive his forgiveness right now. I receive the love of God. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to follow you from this day forward. I thank you for resurrection power, that Jesus conquered the grave, and that through him, I too can conquer death. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Lord, lead me and love me. Thank you for being faithful to me. I want to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.